Sing Second Sports is a ProVision Advisors production. Let us solve your toughest communication problems and leave your team stronger and more capable for the challenges that lie ahead. Visit www.provisionadvisors.net to learn more. All right. Hey, hey, ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard another great episode of the Sing Second Sports Podcast. I am John Schofield. Joining me is Bill Wagner of the Capital Gazette and Baltimore Sun Newspapers. And our producer is class of 99 grad Chris Cervello. Really only had two podcasts left in the season, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, next week, we have Billy Hurley and outgoing soup Sean Buck. And then our very final podcast of the season in mid-May will be our exclusive interview, as we do every year, with Chet Gladchuk. Let's get right into it. I am sure Chet will tell us that this past weekend was, you know, I know you two uh, sang about Sunday, bloody Sunday, but it was a bloody, bloody weekend for Navy sports. We didn't expect it. We were very much looking forward to it. Baseball taking on Army for the Star Series, men's lacrosse taking on Army at Navy Marine Corps Stadium, and women's lacrosse going up to West Point. Let's go ahead and start with men's lacrosse wags. You and I were there. Uh, we watched it. It was really over before it started. Navy made a run there at the end, but in the end, um, not only did they lose a critical uh, game in the Patriot League uh, for standings and seating in the Patriot League tournament, but they got punked by an Army lacrosse team that I, I know that they are good and they're they're in first place in the league, but you know, really have to view this as a lost opportunity, right, Wags? Well, it was really stunning, frankly, and to hear Joe Amplo and Jackson Bonnets talk after the game that Navy didn't have juice. There was not the energy and intensity that you would expect going into an Army-Navy game. And, and Coach Amplo was completely, you know, he, did, he couldn't explain it. Um, Army came out and jumped all over Navy, and like you said, it, it was pretty much over. The score was 9-3 to three at halftime. Um, I, I, I've never seen anything like it, love. I, you know, and uh, Patrick Stevens, the outstanding lacrosse writer who works for the Washington Post and for USA Lacrosse Magazine, said that, you know, most Army-Navy games, and he was very accurate in this assessment, the first five, six, seven minutes of the game are like crazy. It's just a free-for-all, wild, you know, brawl. And that's it didn't start that way. It was almost clinical how Army came out and ran great offensive possessions, got one-on-one -on -one drives to the goal and finish, and then just it, – it, it was it was very strange, the tenor of the game. And I think finally in the second half, Navy got the emotion, intensity, and started playing like you should in an Army-Navy game, but by then it was too late. So it was very disappointing to see, John, and then – you know, you'll cap, recap the women's uh, game, but, you know, two years in a row with Army winning the star and women's, uh, the tide has turned a bit in that rivalry. As you know, Army started women's across as a varsity sport later than Navy, and they have clearly caught up. Yeah, you mentioned the women's game and um, played that game in Mikey Stadium, which is a great venue, but the uh, the outcome certainly wasn't great. 
you know, with that loss and um, Loyola's victory over Lafayette, Navy is now the three seed in the Patriot League tournament, and they'll be able to host um, the conference tournament game against, uh, it is yet to be determined on Sunday, April 30th at Ingham Marine Corps Stadium. But I know that Cindy Timchel, you know, I know that Loyola is on the horizon and they've got to face them this coming Friday night um, under the lights in a driving rainstorm, which seems to be the way that the weather treats women's lacrosse. But, you know, Wags, from from your perspective, it's Army and Loyola now on the women's lacrosse side and unfortunately everyone else. Now, I don't mean that to disrespect the women's team, they're number 23 in the country, but I took a look at kind of the bracketology for the women's tournament. And it really does not look good for Navy. Uh, 0-1 against you know teams that are ranked above them. They've got wins over Richmond, but um, and Jacksonville is ranked teams. But you know at, at this point, Wags, I think the men's team and the women's team have to win out in the Patriot League tournament for any kind of a hope of an NCAA bid. That's obvious with the men's side. But you would be on the women's side. Oh, yeah, I would think so at this point. I mean, the loss to Boston University was the killer for the women. I mean, that was a bit of an outlier, unexpected, and that's you know, going to haunt them if you get into an at-large situation. Now, they Navy women do have some wins over ranked opponents that would be considered quality wins, although I don't know how those wins are viewed now based on how those teams have fared since Navy beat them, but at the time, they were ranked. Um and just going back to the Army-Navy game, this freshman, Allison Riley, nine goals, 12 total points. She really was the uh, pace setter for Army in that 15-11 victory. Um, you know, last year, let's remember that Navy avenged the regular season loss in the uh, N-Star game and beat Army in the tournament. So that could happen again. But I think if, if Navy were to get to the championship game and lose to Loyola, I, I really don't see how Navy would get an at-large bid. I just think that would be a bit of a stretch. And Patrick Stevens does the practicology for men's lacrosse for USA Lacrosse Magazine, and he declared during the Army-Navy game, we're sitting next to each other, that Patriot League is a one-bid league. There will be no two teams. Uh, whoever comes out as the champion is going to be the lone Patriot League representative in the NCAA tournament. So yeah, these two Patriot League tournaments are huge. And uh, it's a shame that Navy's going to have to play a quarterfinal on Sunday. And, you know, it, you know, I don't know who it's going to be. It could be Boston, the team that beats you in the regular season. Um, so that just puts another layer. Army and Loyola are going to have buys move right to the semis. And so, uh, you know, that's the way it is. Um, so that game with Army was huge because it was basically win and get a bye in the opening round of the tournament or lose and you're definitely hosting a quarterfinal, and that's how it turned out. We'll find out after tonight's games, John. There's a round of Patriot League games tonight, and after tonight's games, we'll know who Navy is playing on Sunday. Um, you've got Loyola coming in in a rain-soaked mess on Friday night. The weather on Sunday still might not even be very good for lacrosse. You've already clinched the number three seed. Do you kind of lay off a little bit and get ready for Sunday? Or do you try to beat, you know, the big dog on campus in Loyola and try to strengthen your at-large bid? I know that everyone wants to win. You don't want to lose games. But are you playing kind of a chess game here to value Sunday over Friday? Now, that's an interesting question, John. I can't see anybody going on the field not 
fully prepared to win. And I can't see Navy resting players, but I think if you got into a situation where Loyola built a fairly comfortable lead, then I think you probably do need to rest your key players, your, your starters for Sunday. Um, Cause that is a difficult turnaround today turnaround and that game's at noon. I'm, you know, I don't know if that's mandated by Patriot league, but um, you know, you would think if you played Friday night, you would want to play that game later if possible, but I'm going to guess that Patriot league mandates game times, but uh, it is what it is, John. Uh, the Navy's got to win that quarterfinal on Sunday, period, end of story. Get yourself into the semifinals. Hopefully you're going to see our tribal army again. You get a chance to uh, avenge the loss you just suffered. And uh, if you get into a winner-take-all situation with, with Loyola, then Navy's done it before. Navy has beaten Loyola in a Patriot League championship before. They can do it again. Although this Loyola team is very, very powerful, John. Yeah, we'll have to see how this all develops over the weekend. But again, I I, I know this isn't a weather podcast, but Sydney Tinchel's ladies have just, they've got the worst luck with the weather. And uh, Friday is going to be horrible. But, uh, you know, I'll be there and let's, uh, let's get a win. Um, the other tough result over the weekend, Wags, uh, was baseball. And I was out there both on Saturday and Sunday. Saturday game was a, just a really wonderful event at the end of the first game. Um, as you heard on our last episode, they honored, they honored Andy Freustad's family, uh, remembered him, uh, dedicated a seat there in the stadium as his kid threw out the first pitch or a ceremonial pitch rather. Um, I was able to talk to his wife for uh, a long, long time and talk to a bunch of his classmates. Dominic McElhinney was there and, and a bunch of Navy baseball Illuminati, so to speak. But you know, really all that matters is they dropped game one on Saturday, 11 to four before the weather rolled in. And then on Sunday, uh, dropping the star series and eventually getting swept out of your own stadium by army. Well, first of all, John, you're right. Army is just dominating the Patriot league. Army is now 16 and two in the Patriot league, which I'd have to go back and find the last time a team has dominated a season like this in the Patriot league. It's stunning. Navy is still in second place at 12 and 10. Bucknell is 11 and 11. Lafayette, nine and nine. So, I mean, Navy's firmly in the tournament because after that, you get to teams losing records, Lehigh, Holy Cross. Um, but, you know, things are not going well with the Army Navy series as far as baseball is concerned. Army's dominating now over a period of years. They swept all five games this season. It's disappointing. It's, it's really hard to stomach. And when you talk about this series just completed, where, you know, where's the Navy offense? I mean, we're looking at, opener on Saturday, 11 to four. So uh, Army's piling up runs. Navy's scratching out four. Uh, the, the opener on Sunday, which wound up clinching the series, three to two. Once again, can't, you know, fell behind early and, you know, can't get enough runs across the plate. And then the final of the series is just a real complete downer. I mean, you think you try to salvage some pride and win one game of the series. You've lost the star. But no, 10 nothing domination by Army. So, yeah, right now these two programs are, are seem very far apart, uh, and it's disappointing to see. Something that was not disappointing to see was rugby. What a match against Lindenwood for men's rugby. And now they're going to Houston to play for the national title in their first year um, as a D1 sport. 
Uh, the Lindenwood game was low scoring. It was rough. It was tumbled. These dudes were huge. Really defensive battle throughout. Talking to Chris Hoffman and the rest of the uh, the rugby Illuminati there. Yeah, you know, they just knew that that Navy could grind the game out. Um, Lewis Gray was was just unbelievable team, um, a group effort, and and just so proud of Gavin Hickey and those boys now going down to Houston next weekend to play for the national title against Cal, a Cal team they already beat this year. Well, a huge win, obviously, and Lewis Gray and Ryan Bullock both had tries, a very low scoring affair. And rugby, it's not often you see twelve ten. That's a a defensive battle. Uh, Ronan Krieger had the critical conversion kick for Navy, uh, really with, ultimately made the difference in the game of the two-point score. And now Navy's heading to the national championship for only the second time in program history. And that's that's huge. Navy is 17-0, John. First season as a varsity sport. And Navy 17-0 and playing Cal in the national championship. It's just tremendous. Uh, Gavin Hickey and his Staff and these players deserve amazing, uh, ma- massive amount of credit for what they've done. And the last time, the only other time the Navy was in the national championship game came in 1994. That's a long time ago. And rugby, college rugby was a completely different sport. Uh, but, you know, Navy is right at the top of college rugby. And it's pretty cool to see. And uh, hopefully, Lewis Gray is going to win the Heisman Trophy of college rugby. I think he deserves it. He's the best player. We had Gavin Hickey on the pod a few weeks ago, and he declared that there's no way anyone should win this other than Lewis. And let's hope that it's going to be hard to beat Cal twice. I mean, that was a monumental victory for Navy, John, to beat Cal for the first time in program history. That was here with a partisan crowd at the Prismac Rugby Center. So it's going to be a different story down in Houston with a more neutral site. Uh, It'd be great if some Navy rugby uh, fans got down there to support the team. I'm sure Cal's going to have their supporters out there. So uh, chance to win a national championship. Can't beat it. Lastly, before we go to our break, a couple of other really good results. We need to talk about men's tennis. Men's tennis went up to Hamilton, New York, and just crushed. Uh, In the end, beating uh, Boston University on Sunday 4-0. Um, just sweeping out their matches to go to the NCAA tournament. Women's tennis is doing really well, too. They're in the Patriot League tournament right now, but um, hats off and congrats to men's tennis. Go to break. When we come back, let's talk women's golf and my love of number 11 at the Naval Academy Golf Course. This is Sing Second Sports. All right, Sing Second fans, Navy football season tickets are on sale now. The schedule is out, and the six-game home slate is highlighted by the Service Academy rival game with Air Force on Saturday, October 21st. Visit NavySports.com for more information today. Now back to the pod. Hey, 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 ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Six Second Sports Podcast. Um, It is time for our athlete and coaches segment, a special double twofer for you guys today. Um, And... It's been an incredibly good weekend, actually a bunch of good uh, results for the women's golf program, combining to shoot the program's lowest ever three-round score in the Patriot League Championship history this past weekend. The Navy women's golf team earned fourth place in the 2023 Patriot League Championship at the Independence Golf Club in Midlothian, Virginia. Mara Hurdle, who is joining us today, led the way as the mid's top golfer with a ninth place finish at five over par 221 which was just amazing. The 
total combined 896 score is the lowest by a Navy team at the, at the Patriot League championship ever, breaking the program's previous championship low of 43 over par, par 907 set in 2019. Joining us to talk about that result and how the entire year went for the women's golf team are assistant coach Kylie Sullivan and junior Mara Hurdle. First of all, Mara, let's go to you first. Welcome to the podcast. This is your first time on. Kylie's like old hat at this. Um, but talk us through, you know, the, the, the year for you guys, you know, the, the program is maturing. The program is now achieving uh, so much more than before. Really good result in the uh, Navy Invitational a couple of weeks ago. And now what a great place uh, in the Patriot League Championship. It, in, introduce our listeners to Mara Hurdle and, uh, and the women's golf team. Yeah, it has been just an incredible season for us. Um, I'm really impressed with how the team played. I think we've broken several records, especially at the last tournament. Stephanie Lee just crushed all the records going under par um, for a three for a two-round tournament. Yeah, I mean, I think we've just gotten really good with having like a bond on the team and working together to kind of motivate each other. And we just have a bunch of really good players. The recruiting's been amazing over the past couple of years. You mentioned Stephanie Lee. She set two program records um, at the Spring Invitational. Yeah, you guys have kind of the mantle of of being the personality of setting the pace for this new program. Um, you know, with the you know expert coaching of Nadia Saint Marie and Kylie Sullivan, of course. You know, what's it like to be a part of of you know this varsity program? And tell a little bit about. Tell us a little bit about what the physical mission means for you. Would you be the student? Would you be the person you were without, you know, golf and without, you know, participating in the physical mission at USNA? Oh, wow. Yeah, no, golf has just, it's made my experience so different here. Um, I think first and foremost, the girls on the team, I have created like friendships that I think I will have forever, uh, especially with Stephanie Lee. Yes. Um, and then the physical mission I'm probably in the best shape I've ever been in because I need to stay on top for school and golf just I've golf motivates me to just keep working harder and getting stronger. Um, yeah, I mean, the Naval Academy, it just puts you in a different perspective. We have less time to practice, but you go out there and you try to like focus on what you're doing in the moment, in the moment. And you have a lot more discipline, I think. And it's really, I think it's made a lot more life skills than I would have had at just a regular college. Kylie, before I turn it over to Wags for his questions, talk to me a little bit about your experience coming into this program in COVID, brand new program, um, and, and leading these young women out of a really difficult time, trying to put your stamp and, and you and Nadia putting your personalities um, onto this women's golf program. How satisfying has this been for you as, as a coach? Yeah, I mean, it's been great. All of the credit goes to to the girls and just how hard they work. Um, obviously, Nadia is someone that I've learned a lot from. She has so much experience and just the experience that she brings and the knowledge that she has is really incredible. But but as Mara, Mara spoke about it, you know, they don't have a whole lot of time and they do a great job with the time that they have. And then, you know, I think one of the things that I've noticed uh, about the team here compared to other teams is, is, and as Mara said, is the bond that they have and the connection that they have. It's incredible to watch. I mean, none of them <clears throat> will, will stand up and take the credit and say, Oh yeah, that was, you know, that was me. You know, I, that was a, we won that tournament cause I had a great round. No, they all support each other and they all, they all 
you know, root each other on and it's really a full team effort and it's really neat to see. Um, it's just, it's incredible to watch. Well, coach, you talk about the fourth place finish and shooting the best score. Why don't you tell us about the development of Navy women's golf, the progression, um, <clears throat> you know, it's a step-by-step -step process. This season was a great step forward, but it's not the ultimate goal. You want to win Patriot League championships. Where do you feel Navy women's golf is? Where does it need, what does it need to do to get where it wants to be? Yeah, I think we're in a great spot. Uh, we're a fairly new program compared to a lot of programs. And so to see the, the progress that we've made in such a short amount of time is fantastic. Um, as Mara said, the recruiting just keeps getting stronger and stronger, but that's everywhere. Uh, as you can see, we, we shot our lowest round in a Patriot League tournament and we came in fourth. It just speaks to the competition level and how good everyone in our conference is getting. And I have no doubt that within the next year, we'll be right there. Um, we were right there this year. I mean, I think there were six shots separating us from, from fourth place to second place. So we're obviously, we're right there. The girls are just always heading in the right direction and constantly making improvements. And I'm just, I'm really excited to see where we're going to go with this new class coming in. And then Mara and Steph taking the lead as seniors next year. We've just got a really strong group of girls right now. And I'm, I'm really excited to see what's going to happen. So do you feel you're at the point where the depth is such that it's very difficult to set the lineup as, as the inter-team, uh, you know, competition so stiff that you and Nadia really have to think hard about who are we putting out there on the course for this match? Absolutely. And that's, you know, that's a great problem to have as a coach. I mean, I think our depth goes super, we're super deep on our team and I think we're just going to continue to be that way. But what I think is great about that is it, it adds a little bit of competition within the squad, you know, and I think that that's fantastic to see. Um, it does make it challenging to, to know who's going to, you know, which is going to be the best five girls out there. And, and for Patriot League six, um, we get to take six girls. So I think that that's something though, that really helps us because as I said, we take six girls to Patriot League. So if we have we have solid six players where, you know, if the deeper we can be, the stronger we are. So I'm excited. And I think that that's a, a good problem to have as a coach. <laughs> and it, but you do you brought more than six total to the championships, didn't you? To have the other players do get to go and support. Um, this year we had six girls on our lineup um, for Patriots. So everyone went with us uh, as you know, we'll have some more girls on the lineup next year, and that's kind of we'll see where the team's at. And, and uh, if we can take everyone last year, we we hosted the event, so everyone was here for the for the Patriot League championship. But this year, we had we had six girls on the team, and everyone went out there, and it was a full team effort. So, Mara, maybe you could comment on that. I mean, the, you're going to be getting new team members next year, and the competition's going to get a bit stiffer and stiffer to be in the lineup. Um, is that something you welcome? It is. Um, the competition for our team right now is already so high. It's already just a battle to get like first or second spot um, going into the tournament. And I think that having a few more girls would definitely help motivate us to work a little harder and hopefully have a better chance next year at Patriots. Um, yeah, I'm excited for the new freshmen to come in. I think we have three and it's going to be super fun welcoming them to the team and hopefully getting some new competition. So obviously, you know, Amateur golfers like John and I, we're we don't deal team golf. We're, you know, out there pretty much as individuals just trying to test ourselves against ourselves and better ourselves. How how do you approach team golf and how much like strategy is there to it? Or is it an individual as part of a team where you basically are in your own 
world doing your own thing, trying to shoot your best round and have whatever happens, happens. And then the team comes together and, hey, this is what we all shot. Is there how much team concept is there to it? Um, I actually think there's a lot of team concept. Uh, I find it a very different environment than when I played just individually in junior golf. You just have a lot of internal competition trying to, you know, compete with each other and then the support you have with each other. If you're feeling a little bit down that day, someone's always there behind you, encouraging you to work harder and just keep pushing anyway. Um, yeah, I mean, having a, and then you play, I think the biggest thing is you don't just play for yourself out there. You play for your teammates and you're not, you know, when you're going out there, you're not there to just perform to break your record. You're there to hopefully break a team record or win for the team. It's definitely not an individual mindset when you go out on the course. So is in collegiate golf, Kylie, are you able to coach the athletes during the match? I know there's some sports where there's no in event coaching. You can just walk around supporting, but are you actually able to get, get in and strategize and maybe give them hints on, Hey, on this hole, I, I take it out to the left here or whatever. Is there that go on? Yeah, it definitely does. I'd say a majority of our coaching, you know, is done in the preparation beforehand, whether that's during the practice round, strategizing that way, or just setting up practices and making sure everyone's in the right spot. But once we're out on the course, we're coaching as well. Uh, a lot of times, just kind of a look into what we do is is we'll stand on par threes um, and that way we can get good distances for the girls and kind of let them know what the other girls hit and they can kind of work off that. But, you know, the girls, for the most part, the girls are out there on their own. I mean, there's 18 holes out there, 36 a lot of times, 36 holes, five girls. We can't be at every single hole, um, but we try and be on the par threes and we'll help them through a few, some shots here and there. But a lot of it is on the girls, and it's uh, that's what I think is so impressive is that there's not somebody there telling them how to hit every single shot. They do a lot of it on their own, which is which is a big thing. Well, so here's another question. I presume that measurement devices are not allowed. You cannot have a range finder and say that it's 160 to the pin. They actually are, believe it or not. Uh, they are allowed. Yep, we allow distance measuring devices. You can't have what's called slope on them, which tells you how much uphill or downhill it is. Um, but yeah, we are allowed to use those devices. And then really after they shoot the pin, let's say, you know, then it's, and then it's checking wind, tossing grass up, checking wind, you know, knowing how much uphill or downhill is it? What is the weather doing that day? That's where our kind of calculations come into play. But yeah, we are allowed to use distance measuring devices, believe it or not. I'm a bit surprised, but you know, PJ golf, college golf is different. Um, you don't have a caddy who walks the course prior to the tournament and, and knows the distances um, so Mara, on that note, first of all, I, I, I'm not real familiar with the format, but I presume that you're always with a teammate usually when you're playing or usually just you and other opponents. Or is there a teammate on the tee with you? Um, no. Yeah. So we usually play with other teams. I'll have a teammate on the hole in front of me or the hole behind me, but I'll never really be directly with them. I think it's actually against the rules to talk any type of strategy with them. You can just say like, hi or good job. Um, but no, you're playing against just other teams. On right. So if, if you're going to the green and the, and your teammate just came off of a tee box, they can't say, hey, it's definitely 120, use the whatever. You, none of that is allowed. No, that would be a penalty. Yes, sir. Well, I would not do good in this collegiate golf stuff because <laughs> I don't like the rules. <laughs> Back to you, John. So, Mara, you came into this program right as the Naval Academy golf course was coming out of a major renovation, and it's now 
in my opinion, as a longtime 23-year member um, of the course, you know, it's really world-class. And, and you have to applaud the friends of Navy Golf, uh, Coach Owen, uh, Coach St. Marie, Kylie, of course, but but all the supporters of, of Naval Academy Golf for, for really supporting, you know, the renovation and getting this course to where it needs to be as a world-class competitive golf course where you can host the Patriot Leagues and other events like that. You know, humble brag from you before we started recording, you grew up as a member at Pinehurst. Um, just give us and give us your um, kind of grade of the course and, and how it's maturing. The, the fairways are filling in now with the new grass. They're less brown. They're more green. So it, it you know, spring has sprung. How do you how do you bring the Academy golf course? Yes, I mean, it's been an incredible transformation and definitely all thanks to the supporters of Navy Golf. They provide so much for us with equipment and the quality of the course. Um, yeah, it's the greens. I mean, they've improved so much and they get so fast when they come down short, especially now that the grass is growing back in. I mean, the course bounces back so well from the winter than it used to. I think it's a top course for sure. The quality of the grass that, I mean, it just gets so much better as the seasons get a little bit warmer and it can play so difficult. That's for sure. I mean, I think it's one of the courses I struggle on the most, to be honest. So for me, the bane of my existence is number 11. Um, I work the ball left to right when I can work the ball. Um, so, you know, number 11, it's my lunch. Uh, in fact, I hate that hole. I'm going to go on the record right now and saying it's the worst hole in any golf course ever. What, what hole gives you the most the most problems? And what hole for you is your favorite on the course where you really feel like you can eat it up? Wow. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's definitely, it's a tough, tough decision for which is my least favorite hole. It'd probably be between hole one and hole 17. Um, <laughs> hole one, I don't know what it is about it, but it's just, if, it's just hard to hit that green for me. And then hole 17, I mean, I'm sure you've seen it. It just drops off once you miss the green and it's such a small green to begin with. And you have to really think about like how far downhill it is or how much wind you've got in the air. Um, my favorite hole, I would have to say, mm, that's a tough one. It's so hard. Don't to... say 11. <laughs> it's definitely not 11. Um, I would probably have to say, 12. I do enjoy 12. It's a nice part three and I've got a good distance on it. Apparently Mara likes hitting 235 yard uh, part threes. Well, Mara, I, I'll, before I let you go, you know, you're, you're a junior, you're an operations research major. Um, you know, as, as we take this out, um, what do you hope to do in terms of service assignment when you graduate? And if you had to do it all over again, would you choose the Naval Academy and why? Um, I've actually early selected to go to submarines. So I'll be going to submarines after I graduate. Every single time someone asks me that we play a tournament, the girls always ask, would you like, would you have stayed here? Like, could, would you have picked a civilian college if you could have? And I would definitely say no. I, there have been so many positives that outweigh any negative at this school. It, on and off the golf course I just I love it here and I love the way that everyone is so motivated to just kind of excel in everything they do um in the team I mean I wouldn't trade this team for anyone they are my favorite people for sure 
Well, we'll have to get uh, athletics and scholarship programs chairman, Admiral Bill Moran, to get you out onto pine needles uh, down there when you get home. See if he can change your mind of your favorite course uh, from number four to being uh, to being pine needles. Mara, I really appreciate your time. Coach Sullivan, I know that you're you know looking forward to the draft tonight to see who the Broncos get. You're really worried about how the Nuggets <laughs> are gonna are gonna survive the Suns in the Western Conference semis. We Coloradans have to uh, have to stick together, but congratulations, you know, from the Sing Second Sports team to you guys on such an amazing year on continuing to build the program, continuing to build the brand. You make us proud and you make the entire Naval Academy proud. So thank you for what you do. Thank you so much for having us. We really appreciate it. Yes, thank you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was Coach Kylie Sullivan and Mara Hurdle. Uh, let's see if Mara and I can get out there and, uh, you know, go a little gold tee matchup. Um, you know, the only thing I'd need is a free drop in the middle of the fairway on 11, and then everything else will be fine. Uh, but thank you so much for joining us. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Junior Mara Hurdle and Kylie Sullivan. We're going to go to break. When we come back, Wags and I are going to take this baby out. This is Sing Second Sports. One final set of announcements from our friends at the Naval Academy Athletic Association. Kids, are you looking for a great way to celebrate your birthday? Have your birthday at a Navy sporting event with Bill's Birthday Party Package. Your special day can include a pregame party featuring treats from Chick-fil-A, Fisher's Popcorn, and Nothing Bunt Cakes, as well as game tickets, a video board recognition, and more. For more information, call 1-800-US-4-NAVY. Now back to the pod. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back on the Sing Second Sports Podcast. What a great conversation that was with Kylie Sullivan and Mara Hurdle. Um, yeah, that, that, that program just continues to go up and up and up, and they are doing so well. Uh, let's talk about what is on the horizon, ladies and gentlemen. We all know about rugby heading down to Houston to play for the Natty. Uh, but men's golf is in the uh, Patriot League uh, tournament this weekend. They are out, up in Phoenix, Maryland. Uh, the baseball team travels to Bucknell for the regular regular season finale. Let's hope that they get that done. And of course, uh, women's tennis is going to be in the NCAA tournament. For me, as we go out, this is my final take, ladies and gentlemen. What a great, great thing that happened last week with Rear Admiral Yvette Davids being nominated to be the next superintendent of the U.S. Naval Academy. That change of command is tentatively scheduled for 7 July. She will replace Vice Admiral Sean Buck as the superintendent. And as I said earlier, uh, Vice Admiral Buck will be on the podcast next week for his exit interview. But the first ever female superintendent, uh, former athlete, a very accomplished offshore sailor, uh, Commander Davids worked with Lieutenant Schofield back in the day in the Pentagon, and, and I can tell you right now that the Naval Academy is so much better uh, for having her on board. Admiral Buck did such an amazing job. Uh, it, there couldn't be a better person to hand it off to, and we're going to talk to Admiral Buck about everything he accomplished and, and what he's going to look back on as his accomplishments and how Yvette Davids will take that forward, but a very necessary step in the evolution of the school, the first and not the last of the female superintendents to come aboard. Uh, also, baseball, we talked about how lacrosse, both on the men's and women's side, needed to put the Army losses behind them. Baseball has the opportunity to do that. they got to go up to Bucknell, a team that's way below them in the standings, 
and and really get some momentum wags and and get into the Patriot League tournament and 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 get that positive mo right like get some wins and hopefully they can shock the world for you wags what are you looking forward to other than a very rainy weekend in Annapolis shocker April showers lead to May flowers there better be a lot of flowers in May because all it's doing is raining. Well, first and foremost, John, on Friday night, I'll be covering the Navy Loyola women's lacrosse game at Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium, 6 p.m. Uh, first draw. And I'm interested to see how Navy matches up with Loyola. I think Loyola has made it shown quite convincingly that it is the class of the Patriot League. It is going to be very difficult for anyone, Army, Navy, or anyone else to beat Loyola. But I want to see on Friday night how well, Navy matches up with Loyola in case they meet again in the Patriot League final, which will be at Loyola as the top seed. Loyola will be hosting the semifinals and finals at Ridley Athletic Complex. Uh, also, John, that Friday night Navy at Bucknell men's lacrosse game will have a major impact on seeding. The Navy men are in the Patriot League tournament, but it is yet to be determined what exact seed the midshipmen will have. So the games being played toward the end of this week among several Patriot League schools will finalize the seating, which is very much uh, wide open at the moment. And one last thing, John, on Monday, I'm going to be heading out to uh, watch the Navy men's tennis team uh, view the selection show, the NCAA selection show, to find out who will they be playing in the NCAA tournament. And then I'll be interviewing Coach Chris Garner and some athletes. I mean, you got to give a lot of credit. Navy men's tennis has been a regular participant in the NCAA tournament, and it, it's kind of been overlooked. And I think part of the reason is because normally the Patriot League representative must play a real powerhouse program like North Carolina, and it's very difficult to even win a match, much less you know, win the the entire match. So uh, last year, Navy did win a couple matches in the NCAA tournament. So um, looking forward, look for a story next week about Navy men's tennis and its continued uh, success under Coach Chris Garner. Well, you mentioned it uh, before, Wags. Uh, Sasha Panyan, um, you know, based on his accomplishments, was named co-athlete of the week from NAAA along with Lewis Gray, who we talked about before as well. Uh, much deserved, and let's hope that men's tennis goes to the uh, NCAAs and shows the world how good our athletes are. Lastly, Wags, there was kind of some late-breaking news yesterday. Chris Cervello shared it with us from uh, Ty Lavatai's Twitter feed that Mark Walker actually entered the transfer portal, and this is kind of transfer portal season, right? You've got everyone like seemingly transferring to University of Colorado because Dion Prime Sanders is there. But, you know, this was a development that that seemed to come out of nowhere. And, and if I'm not mistaken, Mark is an upperclassman. So what what sort of scuttlebutt are you hearing, you know, as I continue to encourage people to read Wags's stuff online? If you want the most encyclopedic coverage of Navy sports, please subscribe to Wags's stuff on Capital Gazette. But, you know, Wags, what are you hearing about this uh, very surprising transfer? Well, first and foremost, Mark Walker is a senior at the Naval Academy, and he he's clearly been dismissed from the Naval Academy. That's the bottom line. He's 
transferring because he doesn't have any other option. He's not going to graduate. He's not going to be commissioned as an officer. So he has to move on. And this has happened before. I mean, Jamal Carruthers, the outstanding fullback, he was a had completed his junior year. I mean, so you wonder how are these guys that have signed two for seven? Well, if they get dismissed, it's not their choice. So I believe I, I'm, I'm very surprised by that because I've always been impressed with Mark Walker. Thought he was very squared away, but um, apparently he came up short in some aspect of the um, the mission, and he's going to have to graduate from another college. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we'll continue bringing the updates about that and everything else in Navy sports. Uh, like I said, you know we've got a national title matchup coming up um, on I think on May eighth. Uh, for or May 7th for uh, rugby. Um, and, you know, we'll continue to bring the updates throughout. Good luck to men's tennis. Wags, enjoy the selection show. I mean, you know, number one singles player, John Schofield back in the day, never, never got to watch a uh, selection so, show. So let's see how that happens for tennis. Uh, but thank you so much for your coverage. Wags, from sailing to Navy sports to local Anne Arundel County sports, you cover it all. As always, we love it. For Wags and Chris Cervello, I am John Schofield. We will see you next week when we bring you an interview with Billy Hurley to preview his Brave Tournament on May 8th. And we talk to Sean Buck as he starts to depart the pattern as a superintendent. We are so thankful for all of his support for the Sing Second Sports Podcast. We will see you next week, ladies and gentlemen. I am John Schofield. We are out. Thoughts and opinions expressed on this pod are our own and don't represent the views of the Naval Academy Athletic Association, the United States Naval Academy, or any organization for that matter. Play-by-play calls from the Navy Radio Network are used in the opening of the show and from time to time will be part of the podcast segment.